The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Happy Wednesday, February 20th, you folks. It is the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. And what is the Multimedia Cafe exactly? Well, we're a radio show. We're a podcast. We're also a social media brand. We're all kinds of different things. But in reality, we're just a place where we like to sit down and have a conversation. We like to talk about some different things going on. In fact, tomorrow, I'm interviewing a gentleman for Friday's show. Just a little preview to give you an idea of the wide range of topics and layers we talk about. You know emojis on your cell phone? They're making their way into court cases now. There are, for example, one, one example I read about this real estate person was using uh, some champagne, thumbs up, and big teethy grinny emoji smiley things as an acceptable uh, purchase agreement in court. So like they looked at some stuff, they some properties, and they spent a lot of time with this real estate person. And then they kind of ghosted them. They gave him that champagne thumbs up, the grinny teeth. And this, of course, I'll find out more tomorrow. But uh, in court, they're actually using emojis as a way to say language, actual real language, which to me is odd because I send random emojis at the end of my text all the time. I mean, you're going to get a unicorn from me. You're going to get a cucumber from me. You might get a, a, a punching bag or maybe, you know, some fireworks. I wonder what they're going to say in court about me on that. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm people like my random emojis, but now, man, if I got to end up in court about it anyway, so that's. Just an idea of some of the things that we talk about here on the Multimedia Cafe. There is something called multimedia in the name Multimedia Cafe. That's because we use all kinds of different communication devices, a variety of mediums, almost like it was a multiple of mediums, like a multimedia. Oh, there's, see, I just did it. I just found out how we got that name. Brilliant. So we talk to people face to face. We talk to people over the phone. We talk to people over Skype, and we might even talk to people over that Facebook watch thing from time to time or the live stream. So a lot of different ways to talk to people, a lot of ways to ignore people as well. So for those of you in sales, I feel extra sorry for you today because, you know, there's a lot of ways that they ignore salespeople. You know, for me, asking out that nice barista down the street, a lot of ways that she ignores me every single day. I mean... So she ignores me on Twitter, she ignores me on Facebook, she ignores me on LinkedIn, she ignores me over email, she ignores me over the phone, she ignores me over texting, she ignores, that's what I mean. There's a lot of ways to communicate with people and ignore people, but we like to communicate with people. We like to embrace the positive in life, and we like to say, you know what, we understand you're busy, and geographically, you might not be here, but your mind is here, and we want your mind. So that's what we're doing here at the Multimedia Cafe little bit of a lengthy description today on this Wednesday. Can you tell I'm watching my clock closely? So we're going to get into our guest here today. 
Uh, Joe Dancy, he's a distinguished lecturer, energy law, uh, economics, oil, gas, natural resources. He's at the University of Oklahoma College of Law Energy Center, and he's the executive director. He just got back from NAEP 2019. This guy's plugged in, and he's a regular here at the Multimedia Cafe. He talks about what's going on in the worlds of uh, law, oil and gas, innovation. In fact, he's got his students doing a podcast down there at the University of Oklahoma uh, Law Center down there at the uh, Energy Center. So he's, he's a busy man, busy guy, uh, excellent expert in terms of very well-rounded individual. So what we're going to talk with him about today is Nate, what happened? Uh, he's talking about some of the innovation and technologies, big data, the optimism, the hustle, more booths this year at NAEP. Uh, then we get into the competitive frack and environmental services industry. You know, by competitive, I mean, we're talking, these guys got to get real creative and real sharp with their pencil in order to make things work. And this is just relatively new in the past, say, 10 years that this industry has come, you know, out of the out of the woodwork. And they've just become uber competitive with each other. So, And rig mats. I don't know if you know about rig mats, but you might want to listen to the interview just for the rig mats and how they are helping the environment in the world of energy beyond belief. It's kind of like that unsung hero the rig mat is. And we kind of give it a little, their day in the sun, if you will, uh, the things that the rig mats do. Uh, for me, uh, I know the guys up at Montana Rig Mats, and they explained to me firsthand the benefits of it, and I got to see them in action and everything. So I, I just, I, I think they should be required in all energy development. But that's just me. Uh, okay, what else do we talk about? Joe Dancy, the pipelines. Oh, engineers being poached. Little story in the Bakken a few years ago, the North Dakota Bakken. The companies on the east side of the state, the electrical companies, had to stop sending their electricians out to the Bakken because they'd never come back. The electrician would go out to dinner by himself, he'd you know eat in the sports bar. Pretty soon he's got a job offer, twice his salary, from a energy company because they needed him. And so like energy, uh, I'm sorry, electricians, welders, pipe fitters. Those were the early demigods of the Bakken. And now apparently engineers are becoming uh, the sought after profession down in the Permian and down in Oklahoma and some of these shale plays. So they're being poached from other places. We talk about that. So great, you know, Alex Epstein, New York Times best-selling author, the moral case for fossil fuels, uh, spoke to his classroom as well. So we talk about that. Great interview today with Joe Dancy. All right, we're going to get to it here. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Joe Dancy. He's with the University of Oklahoma College of Law, the director of their energy center. 
This is Joe Dancy with the University of Oklahoma College of Law. I'm the executive director of their Energy Center. Thank you for joining us today, a regular here on the program. And yesterday we had Josh Robbins on, Beachwood Marketing. He gave us an update from NAEP. Today we've got Joe Dancy on, so he can give us a update, and then I'll ask you a few of the observations that uh, Josh saw as well and see how we kind of go from there, get a multi-layered perspective of NAEP this year. So how are you doing? Hey, really good. It was a great uh, Houston conference. We had a good time. The uh, The first thing I noticed, Jason, was in the last three years, every year it seems like we get a few more people, a few more booths, and Seem to be a lot more people this year. They had 12,000, I think, last year. They had 11 the year before, 10,000 and a number. And there seemed to be a lot more booths. And I tell you why I know that, because the, they pretty much extended the entire convention center. Yeah, they, there was some room on the end for a few additions. But I truck my mileage just walking back and forth from our booth to other booths. And I put on you know, probably close to six miles just going up and down and talking to people and et cetera, tromping around the, uh, uh, over two days and tromping around the uh, convention center. So that, and it seemed like most people were probably more interactive in the past, walking past some booths. And of course, you know, I work for University of Oklahoma, so I'm not there buying, I'm not there really selling. We had, we had a booth for our, um, student society and for our online program, but, uh, Generally, I like to just talk to people, and but if there's if they're negotiating or talking to you know it looks like real business, I don't want to step in and uh, interrupt uh, a transaction, and and so uh, there were a number of folks I wanted to talk to, I really didn't get a chance to, but the number that I did, you know, most of them were pretty optimistic, and at the end, just uh, the few booths around us. Uh, you know, I went over and they were selling prospects in Texas and elsewhere and asked them, you know, what do you think of this year's conference? And they said, God, you know, we got you know much more response than we thought there'd be. And uh, so that was sort of the consensus. It was it was a good program. I will tell you, um, there were a few booths with some North Dakota acreage, one of which I didn't uh, want to talk to them, but I didn't get a, a chance to do that because they, they had a crowd in front of their group. But uh, in the morning, I went by and I looked at the geological, oh, they had a bunch of geological maps and stuff on it. It looked pretty interesting. Mr. Joe Dancy, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Joe Dancy, the University of Oklahoma College of Law. He's the director of the Energy Center. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Cause man, if they leave it up to me, brother, I'm going to be exactly who I've always Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Joe Dancy. We're going to continue the conversation with Joe Dancy with the University of Oklahoma College of Law. He's the director for the Energy Center. Oh, they had a bunch of geological maps and stuff on it. It looked pretty interesting. Of course, it was an oil prospect and Mainly, Jason, you know, it's still, you know, your prospects are mainly oil-based still. It's tough to make money on natural gas at $2.70 or whatever it's selling for now. And the consensus seems to be we got plenty of natural gas. And even with natural gas liquids, you know, the economics just aren't quite as attractive as oil. Um, 
oil shows, which is correct. It seemed to be a lot of uh, a lot of Louisiana, a lot of Texas plays, a number of Oklahoma. It was it was pretty geographically um, mixed this year. And one of the things that I found, and every year I go, it seems to be you know more and more companies selling software, technology, tracking, just data stuff. And uh, I don't know whether that's a trend or whether I, I do know, like, you know, apparently, um, you know, all this software and technology and big data analysis, you know, it must be profitable and there must be some interesting niches. Um, I'm not the brightest bulb in the world when it comes to technology with regard to, you know, some of the, uh, some of what was being sold, but it was, it was sort of interesting to see. Uh, and past that, the reception seemed to be um, well attended. We went to the, I went to the Haynes and Boone reception, which is, uh, I've worked with their energy attorneys now for about 20 or 25 years doing educational programs. And we actually, we took our, and it's pretty interesting. We have a virtual reality um, shot of the Permian Basin as well as the Santa Rita number one discovery well and the Permian Basin, which is the discovery well for the Permian Basin. And you put the virtual reality headset on and you can fly over um, these areas and you actually can look up and down. It's like being, it's like you are on in a helicopter. And the, the it was probably the most impressive um, presentation, booth presentation by any educational institution in the history of NAEP, and part of the reason is I, that's a big bragging, but I, but the part of the reason is most educational institutions. I mean, you'd stop by and gee, here's our booklet on our program, here's a pen, you know, here's an alumni sticker, and we actually, you know, when you sit down and you actually have a interaction with the students and interaction with the computer program, and you actually learn something because there's a narration explaining, you know, what's going on. It, it worked pretty well, so. So overall, it was a good, um, a good program. Uh, I guess one of the things that came up, you know, and this has come up before, is uh, water is an issue, especially in uh, Texas, West Texas and New Mexico, uh, for fracking. And because the amount of water needed is substantial, uh, sand seems to be less of an issue because, you know, a bunch of local sand mines apparently have opened up in Texas, Oklahoma, I don't know about New Mexico, but you you don't have quite the backlog getting all that stuff down from Wisconsin. Um, Man, that's Permian, that's really turned into a competitive market, isn't it? Yeah, boy, I'm glad I'm not in that business. Oh. When, when they, yeah, it was it looked really attractive for a while, and it's like, geez, this is you look how because they're using so much of it, and uh, and actually, it is interesting. Here in Oklahoma City or Norman, Oklahoma, I drive I-35 quite a bit, and it is shocking how many trucks are full of sand that are running. We have a couple mines just uh, down by Ada, which is southern southeast Oklahoma, sand mines that have been actually mined for 100 years, Jason, and it's interesting. Um, and I talked to the manager. He's actually going to come visit my class here in about a month. But he said, you know, originally with the fracking, he goes, we were not – one of the preferred providers because of the size of our sand was too fine. It was like a hundred mesh, I think, or smaller. And he goes, as it turns out, as time has gone on, the demand for that size mesh has gone way up. And, and so I asked him, you know, roughly, you know, I was just curious how much, how much, how much that sand was worth in these trucks. And so he figured it out. It's about a thousand dollars a truckload is what he, they're delivering. And, 
breaks well, I didn't ask how many trucks, but I, I would guarantee you there'd probably be at least, at least a hundred truckloads of, uh, sand for most of these, you know, mile long or mile and a half long laterals, just, you know, just based on, just based on, you know, just rough back of the envelope calculations. So, mm-hmm. um, that was pretty cool. And, and I guess yeah. lastly, I was going to, I was going to mention one other industry that seems to be pretty competitive. And I wanted to ask you if it was seen that way down at NAPE is the environmental services, anything to do with, you know, clean up or some environmental solutions, that sort of thing is a big wave in the last few years has seemed to be pretty competitive too, because everybody's got their own proprietary uh, chemical type, you know, solution. And so everybody's bragging about why theirs is better than everybody else's. It was at it all at NAPE this year. Well, there were a number of environmental folks. I talked to them a little bit. Of course, I teach uh, you know, a little bit oil and gas environmental law and talk a little bit about cleanup and technology. And uh, like you say, though, the technology is it is interesting, both the cleanup of oil spills and of saltwater uh, spills. I mean, the, the technology is getting better and better, as well as just the, um, you know, when you when you revegetate, especially salt damage lands or oil damage lands, the um the expertise is getting better and i don't know whether it's genetics or whether it's the seeds or whatever but you know if you look and this is a story they tell now whether this is really the case in the field lord knows jason but it yeah they tell us you know we it's easier now with the current technology to you know re revegetate and reclaim a oil site than it has been historically and and also the fact that with these laterals you know, instead of drilling, you know, five wells, you're only drilling one. And right. so your pad is much smaller. Your, your reclamation area is much smaller. The surface owner supposedly is happier because he doesn't have to, you know, take his tractor around five different pump jacks. But um, anyway, they, well, I tell you, I'm, I'm a huge fan of rig mats. These, um, huh? these, these mats you lay down before you, you start the drilling process uh, we did quite a bit with Montana Rigmat. Nice company, Kalispell area, Montana, ship all over the world. And he got me to really understand uh, the reason behind the significance of these rig mats. And, you know, there's a bunch of different companies. Uh, but when you when you lay them down, the floral comes back. So your 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 restoration project is you got your native floral coming back. You don't have to go find those plants again. You don't have to do all those different things. So to me, I look at something as simple as that, you know, putting down some boards basically just to, when then when you're done, take them out. And of course, if there's any spills or anything like that, it, it, it catches them as well. Um, so that, that, that's just one example I wanted to throw in there with what you were talking about, you know, some of the advancements. Sometimes we, when we think of innovation, it's all got to be, you know, blips and, and computers. And sometimes, right. you know, the wheel is still a pretty innovative tool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting with rig mats. It's interesting you mentioned that because years ago, you know, whenever you were in sort of a marshy area or a swamp or, you know, you needed a wetlands permit, you know, a lot of times the wetlands permit or the, the landowner or the regulatory agency would require you to, to use those man and like you say the great thing is if you if you're over a you know like sort of a marshy area that will support machinery you throw those things down there and and literally you're not digging up the marsh and when you're done you pull it up and you know lord knows like you say they 
they revegetate itself because you haven't messed up the soil, the chemistry, the um, the seas, and everything else. So it's pretty. It's a pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool technology. And I didn't see. And again, I really didn't you know, talk to many environmental, but they were, they were there. There were a number of booths dealing okay. with uh, remediation. Joe Danzi's our guest, University of Oklahoma. He's uh, executive director over at the Energy Center there. Uh, University of Oklahoma Law. I have to make sure I clarify that. Because uh, that is different than U- University of Oklahoma. You guys are a satellite campus? No, well, actually, we're right on campus. We're just oh, on okay. the south part of campus. And everybody is sort of, uh, OU is such a big energy um I love uh, it. Campus. I mean, love we have, Oklahoma. You know, we had our first. We had, we were the first geology school nationwide. Opened up, I think, uh, 1901, 1902. Professor Gould. There's a Gould uh, geology building. Now it's they actually a Gould archaeology or Gould uh, architect building. Uh, they renamed it and gave our geologists a new program. We were the first uh, petroleum engineering program of course we have we were the first petroleum landman program and of course over at the law school i don't think we were the first but you know we've been one of the longest uh, energy law programs around so it's a there's a lot of uh there's a lot of history here which sort of makes it exciting for me to be around so uh mr joe dancy gonna ask you to hold that thought for just a moment when we come back we're going to continue the conversation with joe dancy he's with the university of oklahoma college of law and he's the executive director for the Energy Center. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Back to Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Joe Dancy with the University of Oklahoma College of Law. He's the director for the Energy Center. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of history here, which sort of makes it exciting for me to be around. So, uh, in any event, the I was going to say, I, I love Oklahoma. I've got some great memories uh, in Oklahoma and a lot of toll booth memories, too, but that's a different story. The, uh, the, uh, my favorite memory of Oklahoma, I, was, uh, I, was, I, was, I used to be a baseball player and uh, played the AAU tournaments, and we were down in Oklahoma one year, and the um, state of North Dakota All-Stars I was on, and you know we'd travel and play the different teams, that sort of thing. And uh, the second day of the tournament, we ended up playing the Oklahoma All-Stars the first night. We lost 8 nothing. The next night, um, we played Wisconsin, and they had a 6-7 pitcher, a guy, a pitcher that was 6-7. Okay, we're 16 years old. Okay, so wow. just exactly. He ended up going to the pros, but uh, he pitched a one-hitter against us, and I got the hit because the ball was coming right from my head, and I tried to move to get out of the way, and it hit the bat, and I outran it. So I got our one hit. <laughs> Otherwise, that guy would have pitched a no-hitter against us. That's my, that's my favorite memory of Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, anyway, but so, okay, uh, how about the, the, the money side of things? Were there any, you know, merger acquisition rumblings? Was there any sort of capital cap talk? You know what I mean? Just talk turkey a little bit with me. What would you overhear? 
Yeah, what I overheard, and it was sort of interesting just asking about, you know, the financing, the, the private uh, equity and the private capital and the public capital and uh, talking to a number of folks, the public companies with uh, oil and gas, they have done relatively poorly because the outlook for oil and gas here uh, in the futures curve. So, so for a lot of companies, you know, the exit strategy of build, you know, some, you know, build a, a nice little field of 10 or 20 wells and, you know, a hundred, um, you know, drilling locations and sell it to a public company that hasn't worked real well. And at least lately, and, you know, talking to some people, they say until oil prices, you know, get up much above 50 or $55 a barrel, you're probably not going to see a lot of activity. Natural gas is sort of like, um, Oh, your crazy cousin! They don't know. Nobody really wants to deal with natural gas because they don't think you can make money at, you know, two seventy-five or two fifty, and they think there's so much of it that all you have to do is you know stick a straw in the ground. Um, yeah. The uh, yeah, this is sort of interesting. They just the feedback. For, I talked to some lease brokers in different areas, and they said, you know, there is so much um, money flowing into the sector that, um, it is a little bit concerning about, you know, some of these lease prices, especially in the Permian basin, um, that, you know, when you, you, you roll out the the prices you're paying for leases now, it, it makes the economic returns a lot more modest than they would have been otherwise. And I guess that's, I guess that's bad for the investors, but I, on the other hand, if you're a mineral owner, uh, or if you're a company with some leasehold, you know that you know, that's not all that bad. But um, so that was sort of some of the feedback on the financial end of things. I okay. I was sort of asking around, you know, gee, what do you guys are you optimistic? What are you basing your capital expenditures on? And oh, gee, Jason, the feedback I got is, you know, the uh, the price of oil and the price of gas is no one seems to be able to predict it. It's so cyclical. It's so volatile. You know, you got everybody trading futures these days. Um, it's really difficult for folks to plan, which is bad for, well, number one, it's bad for, you know, your manpower. You don't know, and it's bad for contracting for your rigs and completion crews. And let me stop right there. Another point that came up was in the Permian, as they get these pipelines connected here, probably by year end to get all the oil and natural gas out of the Permian, they said there's a whole bunch of drilled and uncompleted wells, and everybody's going to want to, as soon as they see that pipeline capacity, they're going to run and want to complete their wells. Mm-hmm. And they said there's going to be a huge shortage of completion crews that are competent. And there'll be, it'll be a, you know, some people think that'll be a frenzy of activity. Um, and I, and because there aren't going to be enough people, and actually they, the completion uh, operations for the most part have not, have laid, have actually reduced the size of their crews because they don't have enough work because everybody isn't completing and they're just drilling. You know, you don't complete a well if you don't have a pipeline to sell it into. So when they start up again, you know, they don't think there's going to be enough people. There's not enough people in Midland. You know, Midland's going about 100 miles an hour right now, so you can't go a heck of a lot faster. Sure. Um, this is going to be, it's going to be sort of exciting to see. It might be a big bottleneck. It might be, uh, it's going to be a definite tweak. You're going to see a tweak because this is, um, What's interesting, what's going on right now, in my opinion, what I'm hearing a lot of is this is remnants of that time before the downturn. And so people are not sure if they want to save money in order to make money or if they want to spend money in order to make money. And so that's the uncertainty in the marketplace, obviously. 
Uh, people are optimistic. Things are looking good. All projections point that way. But people are a little bit scared because of the last downturn because that same feeling, that same energy was there um, before it went to what, what do we have, about a year and a half, two years of a downturn, was it? Right, right. And, you know, um, and, and you know that, that that slows things down. Up in, up in the Bakken, they were still putting out a million barrels a day. So, I mean, at some some people are still pumping out oil. But I see where the ripple into the completion cruise could be an issue when the kind of the boomerang effect happens on a few things. Um, what was, the, the, the one thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, and you kind of mentioned it with the completion cruise, and kind of in some of our bantering emails back and forth, I noticed that the word poached engineers, and I wanted to ask you about that because back in the early days, at least in the Bakken, there was such a demand for pipe fitters, electricians, and, and um, uh, yeah, basically pipe fitters and electricians, plumbers, electricians, and pipe fitters. But the electricians, they were having a hard time even going out to dinner because they would get hired going out to dinner. Someone would just <laughs> steal them, right? I'm serious. And so the, the companies in Fargo on the east side of the state, they stopped sending workers out to western North Dakota because they wouldn't come back. <laughs> and, and and because there's such a shortage of them, the company would have to hire that person back when the downturn came because there's everybody needs electricians. And so we kind of joke that they were demigods out in the Bakken because there was such a shortage of them. And so that's what that poached engineer um, kind of back and forth reminded me of is what's going on with the engineers? Because I, I think it's kind of is there a shortage of them? Are they so sought after or just kind of talk to me about that? Uh, it's an, I actually, I had lunch with, uh, I just sat at a table at random at lunch uh, the first day, and uh, the people were talking there, and I won't mention the company they're with, but they noted, noted a number of companies were afraid to send you know, any of their technical staff, including their engineers, that had any experience, because um, you know what would happen is a competitor would go up and you know, if you're an engineer of work just give an area for 10 years, and you, you essentially you can go up and talk to them. You essentially are doing an interview, although the party that's talking to you doesn't know they're being interviewed. And hell, if you like the person, it's like, geez, you know, how would you like to come work for you know, XYZ Corporation? We'll give you a hell of a raise. And and uh, and so they were talking that, that some of these firms, and I guess this is from last year, but also this year, they were afraid to bring some of their more senior technical folks because of the, you know, including engineers, geologists, geophysicists, what have you, because they would be poached by competitors. And I, and then I, you know, talked to a few other people and they said, that is, that's not uncommon, even, you know, past the engineer to the landman and even to the attorney standpoint where, you know, people are being, you know, quote poached, which, which I think is, you know, not all that bad. I mean, it's one of those deals that this means, if you have a certain skill set that you've developed, I mean, as you know, it's so cyclical here. If you can, you know, make a good living and get a good, you know, good raise, um, fantastic. Although I, I can understand a company just the efficiency when you have people coming in and out of the door. It, uh, it does tend to make things much more inefficient and uh, um, and create you know certain issues. But it was, 
it was interesting to see, and I had, to, I, had to, I got a good chuckle out of it. And I, I, it was totally. Of course, my deal when they when it came up, I said, my guess, if you told me that people didn't want to bring their senior people, is, is you know, the reason they didn't want to bring them is because you know they probably go to the receptions, drink too much, and spill all the technical beans to the competitors. I said, no, 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 that's not the problem. It's the problem is, you know, these folks go to the reception and and then they don't come back to our table. They're hired <laughs> by someone else down on the next row. And I just I had to laugh. It was pretty funny. Mr. Joe Dancy, one more time, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. When we come back, we'll conclude the interview with Joe Dancy with the University of Oklahoma College of Law Energy Center right here. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation. We conclude the conversation with Joe Dancy with the University of Oklahoma College of Law. He is the executive director for the National Energy Center. Well, in, in the early days in the Bakken, and I mean, they, they were doubling the salaries. I mean, they, uh-huh. were, they were just flat out i mean and how, how could you refuse it you're you know you're an electrician you're making a good wage and you're supporting your family and all of a sudden you know we'll double your salary for the next two years man that's yep that that's that's life-changing you know what i mean yep, yep. For, and, yep. Then, and exactly. then of course it's it's completely changing to the company involved and it's just it's you hate to blame anybody or you hate to, you know, point fingers because everybody's trying to probably do what's best for their families at the end of the day. But, man, what what a just a real sticky situation to be in, you know? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, no, it's, and unfortunately for the industry, it's not all that good. Of course, every industry, like, you know, I grew up in the Detroit area, and, of course, the auto industry Oof. is – just, just the same way the you know they're either hiring left and right or they're laying off and you mm-hmm. go work for them and it's um and, and i guess the the key to all this jason i mean i've thought about it i'm gotten older now but i mean really when whether whatever you do you need to continue to develop your skill set you know something you find interested in whether you're an electrician whether you're a plumber whether you're an engineer geologist attorney landman just because things are so cyclical you know, you need to have a backup that, you know, gee, when, you know, when the oil bus comes and, you know, you can work on water or you can work on environmental remediation or you can, you know, go to a different, uh, go to work for the plastics uh, or the refiners or, or the world. But, uh, it, it, and of course that's life. It's, you know, when you're younger, it's always, you're always just, I mean, I was petrified that, gee, they're having cutbacks and I'll be one of the, you know, what am I going to do if I get laid off? And, in the end, it almost always works out. You you find something, and even if it's not your first choice, you develop a separate skill set, and you go out, and, and you're better for it. And it's uh, um, and and but it's not it's not comfortable. 
obviously, you know, when you're in that situation. Of course, now we're in the boom town. Now's the fun time. The, the bad time will be, you know, in the next bust when, you know, when it's not like, you know, poaching electricians. It's like, gee, we got four electricians. We only need two, you know, you know, who are right. we going to get rid of? So anyway. Joe Dancy, University of Oklahoma at Law with us. He's the executive director at the Energy Center, uh, talking a little bit about NAEP, some of the things that happened at this year's conference, setting the tone, checking out the themes for the energy industry this year. And uh, just a couple questions left. I wanted to ask you about uh, the students have the podcast going, Alex Epstein uh, in your class. And the other thing I quickly wanted to ask you before we got to that was, um, hang on here, let me see. See, I can't be writing these things down. Uh, oh, uh, drug testing. Uh, was there much of drug testing in NAEP this year? The reason I ask is I can't remember if it was you or if it was someone else mentioned how uh, some oil companies were starting or some oil and construction companies were starting to have chief drug officers because of, of, of this increase of uh, opioids and other drugs, you know, these Oh, that's a fantastic question. The um, I didn't see any boost, you know, rec, you know, promoting drug testing or chief, and I didn't. Hear, but I have heard from the great. Um, obviously, when you're running, whether you're driving a truck, whether you're running equipment, it's incredibly potentially dangerous. So you need to make sure your people, just from a standpoint, uh, you know, both the regulatory and personnel and safety standpoint, make sure they. They are not um, involved with illicit substances, and so you know most companies have a drug type of drug protocol, and even a had. And actually, I've corresponded with, and I forget, you know, she's out in Midland. Who was uh, we just connected on LinkedIn about six months ago, and I just asked her, you know, your chief, you know, drug officer for this relatively big size driller, and she said, uh, yeah, she goes, they they have there are issues out, and, and obviously. There are issues in any industry, and, and uh, it is interesting to see. I will tell you um, what's interesting in Oklahoma specifically in the scoop and stack. And I don't know in North Dakota, but they've actually sort of uh, legalized marijuana here for medical purposes. And one of the problems the companies are having now is historically they've always given you a drug test and say, you know, either pass or fail, and if you fail – I, you know, I don't know whether you're terminated or go through rehabilitation or whether they have some program. There's a protocol. Mm-hmm. So now with the new marijuana you know, legislative, you have the right as an individual to use marijuana for, you know, stress, whatever. Um, the companies are having to relook because they really can't fire people because it's legal to use marijuana in Oklahoma, at least on the state level. Now, on the federal level, Lord knows. But I don't know what the legal answer is, but I know. You know, some of the firms here in the scoop and stack are wrestling with it, and they said it's going to get challenged. It's going to get challenged. Well, the last, you know, the last thing you need, and even if they're using the marijuana for, for legit, which they, they, if they have a prescription, I assume it's legit. You know, if there's an accident and someone's hurt, you know, the first thing the party who's hurt's going to say is, "Gee, you know, you were negligent, company, because you let you let this person drive a truck." when you know clearly they should not have been behind the wheel and um i don't know when i'm not enough of an employment attorney to 
uh, <laughs> or or actually informed about all this stuff and and uh, to have to looked at it. But it, it it's an interesting issue and it, and it is a problem and it's a real actually, issue. It's a, I yeah, mean, I, you know, you're talking about Colorado. There's, you know, the Nile Brera's in Colorado, and there's a right. number of companies out of Denver. And mm-hmm. so you're talking about full-on rec- recreational there that goes beyond right. the medicinal part. So the medicinal part will get challenged, like you mentioned earlier. And that was Joe Dancy with the University of Oklahoma College of Law. He's the executive director for the Energy Center there at the University of Oklahoma College of Law. Thank you very much, Joe Dancy, for joining the program today. Appreciate it, as always, your information. You are truly an expert in many fields, and we appreciate the time that you've given us today. I did want to mention one more thing. That is National Love Your Pet Day and National Cherry Pie Day, but more importantly, National Pet Day. Every day is National Pet Day. You should love your pet every single day. Do not make your pet a prop. Make them part of your family. For me, anyways, my pets are in my Christmas cards, so I and just figure they're part of the family. They don't eat with us, feel bad about that, but they do eat. Uh, until they can figure out how not to poop at the table, you know what, that's, that's a rule at our household. You can't poop at the table if you're going to join us for dinner. Took my uncle about two years to get to that. All right, so that's going to do it for today's program. Appreciate you folks tuning in and making the Multimedia Cafe part of your daily content. And uh, you know what? I am looking at the clock here, and I've got to mention one more thing that uh, this is a radio program, so appreciate you folks tuning in to the radio program on our radio network out there. Hello to those people out in the Black Hills and in Wyoming, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana. Appreciate you joining in uh, the Multimedia Cafe via your radio waves. And for those of you downloading and listening to us, over the web, over the cell phones, over the podcast land. Appreciate it as well. Uh, We do exclusive interviews here. So the information that you get here is 100% original, fresh only to this uh, podcast, only to this radio show, only to this brand, if you will. So uh, appreciate that very much. I know there's a lot of different ways where you can get your content, a lot of ways, a lot of places. I joke about this all the time. I go and fill up my car and Steve Harvey is there giving me news at the gas pump. I walk from the hotel to the restaurant and the taxi driving by gives me the sports scores. So there's a lot of ways that you can get your content in today's world. A lot of ways that you can communicate with people, a lot of ways you can ignore people. So appreciate it here at the Multimedia Cafe, listening to us over the radio station where we will be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. Appreciate you listening to us over the podcast where you can download us every single day. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Maybe leave us a review. I understand that's like an important thing these days. You know what? Leave a review if you want. Don't if you don't. We're not getting into that whole follow the sheep of the online part. I used to work in publishing, so I lost my butt because of the internet. So I'm no longer listening to the man and everything that the people tell me to do because I'll tell you what, the internet was the worst investment for every media company on planet Earth. None of them have made, except Facebook and Google, none of them have made money. They're all trying to recoup, recoup the millions they've invested over the last 15 years trying to figure out how to make money online. So how's that for a very easy way to say, you know what, don't leave a review if you don't want to. That type of thing. So uh, we like to just be honest here on the Multimedia Cafe. So with that, 
from the staff of the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Northern town.